0: This image of our, our city, we're, we're, we're really wanting to ask the question is, what does God want our communities and our cities to look like in Pierce County? And I want us to have a heart of compassion and to be able to see that each one of us here, no matter how old or young, no matter what stage of life, and no matter what our history says or what we think our future is, that, that God has a calling, a sacred calling on you and me, and, and it starts with compassion. And last week we looked at, and uh, what does God want our cities and our communities to look like here in Pierce County? We looked at Isaiah 65, this beautiful snapshot of, of what God wants our, our area, wants our communities to look like. And um, we started with, uh, you know, with the Genesis story, the origin story where God created the heavens and the earth and it was, all, it was good and it was blessed and then humanity turned from him. And, and when we turned from him, uh, the garden was broken and lost. But if you look at the beginning and you contrast it with the end, Genesis to Revelation, we see that at the end, God has restored the world and there's a new garden city that God is going to bring a renewal, a restoration. In fact, one of the most important things you need to know, especially if you're exploring faith or you've just had a really bad day, week, month, or year, is that God is in the business of restoration. And so from the lost garden to the new garden city that we're looking forward to, God is using people like you and me to begin building toward that garden city a flourishing city, a flourishing world. That's what God wants to do in and through our lives. And I think that's beautiful. In fact, in Genesis 12, the restoration plan was really launched through a guy named Abraham. And in uh, verse uh, two of chapter 12, it says, uh, God says to Abraham, I will bless you, but not just so that you can be blessed and keep that for yourself. I will bless you and you will be a blessing to others. In fact, all the families on earth will be blessed through you, And so we see God blesses us to be a blessing. How many of you guys know that? How many of you guys know that it feels so much better to give than to receive? A few people are like, no, I really like receiving. <laughs> How many of you guys love to give, like, like God bless others through your life? Man, I love giving gifts to my kids. It's just a joy. I get more fun watching my kids play with their gifts than the gifts I get. And I, I don't know, it's, just, I, it's almost like I live through them now, but I get to see that, and it's so wonderful. God wants to do that through you and me. Last week, we looked at this verse. It's a really simple verse that Jesus taught, and he said, as the Father sent me, so this is how God wants to bless the world, and he says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. How did God send his son? Did God send his son into the world, but like separate from the world to be holy and separate and better than sinners in the world and tell the sinners how bad they are and that, you know, there's really no hope for you unless you totally change. Then maybe I'll consider forgiving, loving, and letting you live. No, that's not the story of scripture. Jesus was sent into the muck of the world, into our world that's broken into real time, really lived with a real family and a real place, and he began transforming the world around him through the power of God. He came, he lived, he died, he was raised back to new life. And the goal for, for our world is that pattern uh, where we live in this world and there's, there's death and there's hardship that occurs and we can sacrifice uh, for others and God brings new life out of that. It's the Jesus pattern. As the father sent the son, so he sends us. That means that every single person in here, every soul that has been entrusted into the care of their loved ones and into this church, which I take seriously, the stewardship and shepherding of the people of this church, every one of you is called or called to compassion in this world. In fact, you have specific worlds, primary places that you've been called to with passion, with compassion, with um, skill and, and maybe you just find yourself in this world. That's where you find yourself. But every person has been called to a world. What world have you been called to? Because you're sent just like Jesus was sent. What world, what place, what primary place is God using in your life that you've been called to? We have educators, business people, government people. We have nonprofits. We have all kinds of people in this room. What world were you called to? I want you to just 60 seconds, turn and talk to someone and just ask them this. Figure out where where are you called? What world are you called into? And why do you love it? Or why are you called there? Ready, set, go. All right, go ahead and take a few more seconds. A few more seconds. All right. I didn't mention this in the last service, but it was like so cold this morning. And uh, I think they got a new heater that may or may not work. And so I was like, man, it's so cool that we're moving buildings. <laughs> we're gonna have Vienna with, the, with the, some great heat. Where, where are the people called in here? Can I, can I just take a few moments to, to see where are people, what world are they called to in our congregation? Would anybody be willing to just share? What world are you called to? Yeah. Called to the neighborhood that we live in. That's awesome. They're called to the neighborhood. I happen to know that couple and uh, it's my father-in-law. He actually is leading a Bible study that his neighbors asked him to lead in his neighborhood. How cool is that? That's awesome. What else? Foster care. Foster oh, care. Yeah, give that a hand. That's amazing. <laughs> that, and that's like, that is a calling. And there is, there is weight to these callings, right? Um, and we have other people that are called to foster care. You'll notice that there's connections in our church where people with similar callings. What else? That's- Special needs, thank you for your work. We had f- at least three people in the last service were called to, s- to the area of special needs um, within schools and-, and out in our community, so thank you. What else? Recovery. Recovery, amen. Yeah, has, has anybody had their life touched um, by addiction and needs for recovery? Anybody? Like, that, that's a huge area of restoration in our community. Thank you. What else? Yeah? So, uh, we mentor kids through scouting. You, really? Wow. So you pour into next generation? Any other, other next gen people that love pouring into the kids and younger, younger uh, generation? Nobody else cares about them? Okay. No. <laughs> there's, a few, there's a few. They're like, that's why we're here, and they're in the back room. There's a few up here. You guys, you're passionate about that. That's awesome. Some in the back. We had like uh, 20 teachers stand up. Um, and that's not including people that are, uh, that are called to helping our, our kids here at church. But out in the education system last week, we prayed for teachers. And um, I know there were a bunch that were gone, but we had 20 educators in our church. I know we probably have 30 or more. You guys, every one of us has a calling. And God wants to use that calling. Wants to use your work, your passions, for His His goodness, His glory, glory's uh, maybe a better word would be splendor. Like, wow, God, you're amazing. That kind of thing. Like, wow. Um, why do Why do we go into these worlds? Why do we Why do we go to them? Because some of them are wild and woolly and tough. When I ask people that, I asked some people that last service um, there, there's a theme that comes up passion and compassion that's why we that's how we got the name for this series is we're called to compassion if we don't have compassion you're gonna have uh, what they call compassion fatigue if, if you don't have calling you're gonna have compassion fatigue you'll get tired you're not gonna ha- it's not gonna keep you going there has to be calling and compassion to keep going does that make sense um uh, every person in here, I, I'm so curious to see, I, I wonder what it looks like to see from God's perspective what's going on in the lives of the church, not just on Sunday, but during the whole week. Um, God wants to use us. Now, what I want to do is I want to uh, cast a vision of what, what I think God wants our church to be and do. And this is, this isn 't my vision this is God this is god 's vision, and Jesus teaches this we 're going to be looking at a passage matthew thirteen it 's a parable, a story by Jesus. I loved how he'd tell stories because they had like very simple surface meaning, but then they the more you dig into them there 's like this deeper meaning in the stories that Jesus would tell and This is matthew thirteen and um, it's it 's a great passage, but we 're going to be looking at three things, three things so if you have notes and you care about those types of things, we have, we're going to be talking about seeds, weeds, and wheat, okay, those three things, seeds, weeds, and wheat, not weed in the Washington, <laughs> in the, just to be clear, and not in the Washington sense, but in the general sense of weeds, okay, sinners, <laughs> all right, so, here we go, seeds, seeds. Uh, Starting in in verse 24 of chapter 13, Jesus told another story about the kingdom and said, the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. So here's this story about a farmer Seeds, weeds, and wheat. Now, when Jesus is talk, telling this story, we find out later in the passage, you can go on in chapter 13, and Jesus explains in detail what he's meaning is for this parable. Um, but to kind of bottom line it for you, the farmer in this story, the, one of the biggest layers is the farmer represents God the Father. Seeds in this story are people. They're people. People of the kingdom people that love the goodness of God and he casts these seeds to be planted but then during the night like an uh, an evil one comes in and starts sowing these uh the weeds kind of like an anti-wheat right and it's and it creates this contrast and this tension in the story and uh and one of the things that Jesus is addressing here is that evil is in the world and there are there is brokenness but it Evil doesn't originate from God. It's not from him. Um, which is an interesting thing. The other, the other thing is that if God is the farmer and seeds are people, what does that make us? We're seeds, right? God is scattering seeds. One of the biggest um, paradigm shifts, shifts of our mind that I think helps will help us understand what we are in God's great universe as spiritual beings who live forever. We live in a world, I know, that says you're temporary uh, beings that will go back to dust and be gone. Jesus taught that we're spiritual beings that live forever and there's nothing you can do about that. So what are you going to do about that? This This is teaching us, okay, that we're seeds, So God has a purpose, he's casting us for a purpose into the world, the field is this world. Now, um, one of the biggest shifts of mind I think that really helps people of faith or people who are becoming filled with faith is the shift that seeds are sent, not stuck in the broken world. Seeds are sent, not stuck. Have you ever felt stuck in your world? stuck in the muck and mire, of like the world's gross and muck-filled and it, it, it's got all kinds of issues and I feel stuck in my place of work or in my life. I feel stuck here. But this is teaching us, no, 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 you've been sent, but God, and I feel stuck. How, it, how many of you guys have seen a field that's been freshly planted? What does it look like? It looks like dirt. It doesn't look any different than before, Right? Because these this, these little seeds have been planted everywhere. It looks like nothing's going on. So when a farmer's planting, he has to have patience and vision for the future. Because a farmer's hope is in the dream of those seeds germinating, changing, transforming, becoming and growing into wheat. So the farmer plants so that he will see a harvest, right? So... It changes our mindset. If we're just these seeds that feel like we're stuck here in this stupid world that I don't wanna be in and I'm just stuck versus, oh, I've been sent here to bloom where I have been planted. It changes the meaning and purpose of our work, our lives, and our relationships. I've been sent. God wants to use me. He wants to use my life. He wants to use, he's actually shaped me and formed me and designed me for the places and the people I meet. I have been sent, not stuck. Let me tell you just a little uh, snapshot of, of of Israel's history to, to, to raise our, our our eyes even even bigger. Um, Israel at one point was captured by the uh, Babylonians. You guys heard of the Babylonians? Okay, so they're captured by the Babylonians and actually they were taken over, invaded. And a portion of the of the people of Israel, like the royalty, smartest, best at everything people, like their top leaders basically and their families were separated and brought to Babylon. So it would weaken the leadership so there wouldn't be any uprising in Israel and they would get the benefit, Babylon would get the benefit of all these brights, the brightest and the best of Israel. Does that make sense? So they took them and then they, they were considered the exiled Jewish people. They were the exiles of Israel in Babylon. Babylon was their enemy. Babylon had taken and stolen everything that was dear to them. Babylon had um, desecrated their temple, had uh, separated and destroyed families. The the people who were relocated and exiled to Babylon were angry and hurt. And like, so they cloistered, we need to try to keep each other safe. We need to be uh, God's people and we need to just get over here. But they were angry because they felt stuck in Babylon, we're stuck. We don't want to be here. They've desecrated our temple. They're, they worship idols here. These peop- we, we hate these people. They've murdered family members and friends of ours. We hate the Babylonians. We want nothing to do with them. We don't want anything good for them. They're the enemies of God. We want God's judgment on these people. They're our enemies. And then there was this prophet who had a word from the Lord. And I, he's, well, he had a lot of words. Prophets have a lot of words. You're like, you do too, George. Um... Yeah, and, and there's, there's one, just really one or two verses that are really, really powerful for today. You want to, I don't have it on the screen, but you want to hear what Jeremiah, a prophet, had for the people of Israel who felt stuck in Babylon? Listen to the word that Jeremiah says, hey, this is from the Lord. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you in exile. What? We're stuck here with our enemies. We've been exiled with the people who are murderous idolaters. Like we hate the religion. We hate everything they stand for. What? And Jeremiah says, God says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city, of the Babylonians, of Babylon. Like are you kidding me? He says seek the peace and prosperity. That word peace is is shalom. It means like, uh, it means flourishing. That's the best word we have in the English language, like flourishing, um, right relationship with God, with yourself, with others, and with the planet, like a sense of wholeness. Seek the wholeness, flourishing, peace, and prosperity of the city. And notice it says, to which I have carried you. God is saying to them, I have carried. You think that Babylon is the one pulling all the strings. I am sending you not to just the most godless, most horrible black pit in the world, but I am sending you into a field to bring life, to flourish and bloom where you've been planted because that society, that city, if you can help transform it, you will transform the rest of the world. I'm gonna use you. I'm sending you. So it goes on to say pray to the Lord for that city. For those people, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. They've probably been praying prayers of condemnation. Burn this place up. God says, Bless them. Bless them. We're sent, not stuck. That means for the church, we can often feel like exiles in Babylon. We can feel like, man, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. This, everything's terrible. And the sky is falling. Nothing's good. You know, we just need this all to be erased. I don't even, I'm stuck here. But the, here's the power, friends. We're seeing that God gathers us like seeds. You know, a farmer would have like a big basket or bag of seeds and then throws them or broadcasts them or plants them. Maybe he's planting one by one in a row. There's broadcasting, there's narrow casting, there's different ways to plant. But he takes us and then it says he scatters us over this field. That means that the church is like those exiles. And when we feel like, no, man, my life has been ruined, Look look at the series of events, I had no control over this, God will use it, and he's sending you. Do you see it? And the church gathers, like here on a Sunday, and then we scatter into the world, into the fields that we've been sent into, amen? You see it like the, the healthcare people, the uh, educators, the building families people, the um, helping special needs and nonprofits, and you know whatever you're calling. You, he scatters us, and then we gather, and then we scatter, and that's the the image that we see from ancient Israel that were exiled in this moment where they thought they were they were abandoned by God, but they were sent. Do you believe that you are sent? Do you believe that we are sent? You know, it, it it says that. Um, the farmer planted seeds, it's plural. That means that what happens from Monday to Saturday is as important as what happens here on Sunday. That means that your jobs and your callings are just as sacred as a pastor's calling. There's nothing more sacred about what I do. Where you stand in your, pla- in your places of work is holy ground to God. And where you walk, you make things holy. You bring God's peace. You bless people. You bloom where you're planted. But what happens if we just gather and we just want to like create this cloister, club? We're not going to transform our world. We're going to be like just seeds in a basket. What good are seeds in a basket? There's potential, but they're not doing what they're designed to do. Now, here's the other question. What if we just scattered and we never gathered up? Lack of encouragement, We forget sometimes who we are, we don't partner. So there needs to be this rhythm of gather and scatter, gather and scatter, that's why we do Sundays. That's why, and then we encourage people as they go out. Um, A person once asked Martin Luther, a famous German German, uh, theologian, um, they asked him, why do you always preach the gospel every week? Like why don't you just teach us new things, but you always seem to come back to the gospel. You always come back to God's love. Why do you do that over and over? He says it's because you forget every week over and over that we are loved by the Father. You're led by the Spirit, learning to be loved like Jesus. And then we go into our world and we're, like, we're all pumped and encouraged and all of a sudden life happens. We come back in broken or maybe cool stories that have happened to us and not to somebody else or maybe it's been a rough week but something cool has happened over there and then all of a sudden we fill up again, Right? and we remember who we are, that we're loved by the Father, we're led by the Spirit, and we're learning to be loved like Jesus. Amen? Weeds. Let's move to weeds. Got that picture? There's weeds among the wheat. You guys see that? There's weeds there. You guys have been, you guys have been sent into fields, into earth, into worlds that the church, people like me, we have zero control over. How much control over do I have over your workplaces? The honesty that occurs in your workplaces? How much people read the Bible in your workplaces? Zero, right? Um, and, and many of you are called into worlds where it's like the church can't even condone all the things that happen in your work world, in your life. So the church was never designed to be the controllers of society but the transformers of society. So we can't be afraid of the world, we're sent into the world. Do you see that? We're sent, we're scattered, but there's weeds. How many of you guys notice weeds in your work world, your life world, your calling? How many of you guys notice, think like in this story, the story that weeds are like you know, people that are being manipulated by the evil one, um, but their actions, their words, so like lying, dishonesty to gain. Have you ever had someone who has selfish ambition and so they, 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 they slander people behind their back so they can get ahead? Have you guys are in places where it's like you can't, you can't get anybody's attention because everybody's a st- distracted like teachers? Like you're working with these kids and they're hurt and they're broken. You've got, you've got them for a few hours during the day and then they go back into like, you know, toxic culture life. Have you guys in workplaces, there's just toxic culture? There are weeds in our life. And here's the thing. Let me read this to you. Uh, about the, the, the weeds. Let's keep, I'll keep reading this parable. The farmers, uh, farmer's workers went to him and said, sir, the fields where you planted that good seed is full of weeds, right? It's full of weeds. Where do they come from? The enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Remember, that it's, the evil does not originate from God. The enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. Let me just stop here for a moment. My dad has had a lifetime filled with a war on weeds. Any other men or women in here with the war on weeds in their, in their houses, their homes? My dad, uh, back in the 90s, I remember he would get the most toxic poisons he could and just put them everywhere he could, you know, to get the weeds. And we like, you know, as we're becoming more aware of those poisons and, I mean, in the 90s, I was like, Dad, this can't be good. Yeah, uh, he he. we were like, Dad, we need to help you. And he's like, I gotta kill the weeds. So we got him this thing called uh, the weed dragon. I know it sounds really <laughs> sketchy for a pastor to have something called the weed dragon. It actually looked kind of like a <laughs> utensil for something a pastor would not be caught doing. And... Um, we took a picture with him and put it on Facebook. It was his weed dragon. It looked so funny. But, uh, but it was a flamethrower. It's not what you think. It was a flamethrower. And it would, like, throw flame and it would burn up the weeds. He loved it. He'd just go out and he'd light the weeds on fire. And he's like, ah! And he was getting the weeds, right? Um, what do we do about the- Should we pull the weeds? Should we pull the weeds? Um, it's really interesting the re- response here, Jesus, uh, the, the, the farmer's response is, no, he says, you uproot the wheat if you do. You'll uproot the wheat. Let both grow together until harvest. So one of the things that I think can happen is um, we can feel out of control in our work environments, our places of calling, and we can start to have this mentality of like, God, the world is evil. There's only evil. I'm like the only one. I'm the only one. Could you just like rescue me and pull me out or destroy the evil ones and just come in and just, just you know, bring in the weed dragon spiritually and just fry him. Jesus had some disciples named James and John. They were brothers and I called them sons of thunder. You know why? It's because whenever like someone would, re- re- would reject Jesus, they'd take it like super personal. Anybody in your family like that? Anybody in our church like that? You take it super personal, and like even like the smallest thing, like no Jesus, I'm cool. You can go to the next, and they'd be like, they'd be like, burn that village, bring down the thunder and the lightning, and Jesus is like, whoa, 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 like hey, that's not my mission. They just didn't want to, they couldn't hand, handle us right now, or they'd have a village that would reject Jesus and not want his healing and all that kind of stuff, and and then they'd be like, Lord, destroy it, bring brimstone, you know? They, and he was like, we're gonna call you sons of thunder. <laughs> And no, we're not going to do that. Because Jesus came to save, not to condemn. Right? His mission was to save, not to condemn. And um, in this, when we are in a a field full of weeds, that can all of a sudden, we just think everything is weeds that we're surrounded by. There's no other wheat. I don't see anything good. We can can become, become blind to the goodness of God. We can feel all alone. There's another guy named Elijah who's a prophet. He told the Lord, he, he, he said to, to God, he's like, uh, Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they've put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only prophet left. I'm the only one left. And they're trying to kill me too. I'm the only one left. He, all he sees is weeds. So God, when are you gonna destroy them and when are you gonna save me? And God says this to him. He says, yeah, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel all whose knees have never bowed to an idol. Amen. You're not looking for the wheat. Your focus is on the weeds. Look for the wheat. Look for the goodness of God. Look for what God's doing. Yeah, there's plenty of brokenness. Yeah, there's lots of weeds. But like that's not gonna change it, 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 the garden as much. It's not gonna change the field unless we start cultivating the wheat. And the mentality of like, Lord, would you, this is awful. It's, I, I have a friend who says it's like this... Um, my friend Craig he says it's like often Christians will be in this world and their workplaces and they just see all the disaster it's like they're standing on the roof of their life and the floods coming up and they're like Lord save me and you know forget this world like just destroy it but save me throw you know bring in the helicopter drop the, the line and pull me out of this rescue me but what God does instead is he looks down and he throws us some scuba gear and he says you're right get saving people have you guys been in a place where you're like, Lord, just save me, pull me out? And God has thrown you some scuba gear? And you're like, what? This is not what I want. Or maybe you, you, you thought, well, he didn't answer me. God wants us to be part of his restoration, blessing, redeeming plan. Amen? And we're scattered like seeds. We're sent into the flood to help. We're, we're the helpers. We're the blessers. We're the transformers, not the separators of community. That's what we're called to be. Do you see this vision of what the church can and should be as the gathered and scattered people of God? And, and it's really interesting to me that we, it can be so easy to, to say God condemn these people. Sometimes we, we forget. From God's perspective, I'll ask you, can weeds be turned into wheat? For God, they can Weeds can become wheat. Has there ever been a time in your life where someone could have condemned you for the way you were living or acting? And what if God was just like, "Yeah, you're right. Let's bring the thunder. Let's bring the lightning." No, I love that Jesus says, "No, no, 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 no. You you'll uproot the wheat if you just if your whole life is all about pulling the weeds. Let both grow together." Don't be afraid of the, I know there's lots of stuff that's, that isn't good, but don't be afraid of the public schools. Don't be a, afraid of the places of business. Don't be afraid of the world that you live in. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We don't have to live in fear. And here's the, here's the crux. Um, the Pharisees were the spiritual leaders of Jesus' day. And do you know what the, the name Pharisee means? to separate. They thought their primary job, their primary vocation, was to pull weeds out of the wheat. You don't belong here, Jesus. Why are you hanging out with that sinner? Did you see that person's a prostitute? Did you see that person's a tax collector? Did you see, this person's got this person that's wrong, and that person's deaf probably because he sinned. They're all sinners, and so they were they were like they were like these hack job surgeons who were like you know cutting off legs and limbs and amputations when when Jesus is saying, hey, learn what it means. This is I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I want rehabilitation for what can be rehabbed versus. Amputating everything. If we start letting our primary calling be dic- be become dictated by pulling out weeds and looking for what's bad and what's wrong in the world and separating from it and separating it, um, we become like what we focus on. Some, it's like my dad using all the poisons in the, in the 90s. Now we find out like, oh, those things are actually killing you and other plants. So your vocation, if it's killing weeds, that's your primary thing? That's, if that's the primary thing, it always has a way of coming back on us. But if we learn to make our primary calling about looking for the bright spots, the goodness of God, the wheat, and cultivating wheat, all of a sudden everything changes. Everything changes. Do you, do you see it? Like, we see more wheat that begins outgrowing the weeds that's the beauty about these little seeds right can you put that image of those seeds again just throw that up there if you can those little seeds they're just so small and seem so insignificant but remember when a farmer plants the seeds what's he looking for what's he looking toward what they grow into the kingdom of god is like a mustard seed so tiny but then it grows so big that birds will rest in the branches of the mustard plant because it gets so big. The kingdom of God seems so ins- insignificant. You're, you might feel so insignificant. I'm alone, I'm stuck, not sent, uh, I don't have what I need, there's, there's weeds everywhere, I need, to, I need to kill the weeds, and that's what my primary job is, and Jesus says, no, no, no. God's power and his goodness are greater than all these things that seem so big. The seeds will grow. Your life will grow in goodness and in blessing and in transformation if you trust in God. The kingdom, the seeds, this church that we have, it might seem like you know, what are we, maybe 250 people all told in the building right now and it might be like, oh, that's all that there is and God will use it to transform world upon world the schools and jobs and business places and government he will use your life to transform the world do you believe it? I wanna, if you guys would humor me let me just close with this thought we're to focus on the bright spots and the, weed, uh, the wheat, not the weeds. It doesn't mean that we don't spend some time, but we've got to primarily look at, at God's goodness in the world. Would you stand up if I, if I, um, if I call out your calling? And just, and just remain standing for a second. I just humor your pastor here. You are the seeds of the, of, of, of the church, the, commun- uh, the kingdom of God. If you're in the world of healthcare, would you stand up? Yeah, we got some healthcare people, love you guys, thank you for what you do. Remain standing if you would, that's awesome. World of business, working in business, owning business, awesome, wow, thank you guys. If you're in the world of civic service, policemen, firemen, politics, whatever that might be, thank you. That's awesome. If you're in the world of um, craftsmanship, building, stand on up. That's awesome. How about the world of art? Any artists in here? That's your world. That's awesome. We're going to have a bunch of them up, up here pretty soon, too. How about the world of nonprofits? Do you stand up? Nonprofit world. Wow. That's awesome. How about the world? of family and home building, stand on up, that's a very important world, is it not, thank you, that's awesome, how about the world of education, stand on up, yeah, they pour into those Gen. that's so good, we had a few, we only had like two the last service, and I was like, hey, it's okay, we love you, and then all of of them stood up, I don't know why the teachers were afraid, (laughs) Um, how about just in school, you're a student, the world of school as a student. And anybody else, if you feel called to a world, stand on up. This is, is the church of Jesus Christ. We are like seeds to be scattered in the world. I mean, just look around. Like, you are called to compassion. You're called to transform your world, not separate from it. God wants to use you. And I want you to know, our church, we believe in you. We are behind you. We want to commission you, encourage you in the work of God in your life. Amen. Can I pray for you all? And we'll sing together. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're so grateful for you. Thank you for this church. Friends, you are the gathered and scattered people of God sent to bless and bloom where you are planted. Bless them, Heavenly Father. Friends, you are the scattered church seeking the peace and flourishing of your cities and your communities wherever you're planted. God, would you use these people? Would you use their hearts to transform their world and our world? In Jesus' name, amen.